Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Hello and welcome to Lore Watch, a roundtable freeform discussion about lore in the games of Blizzard Entertainment. I'm your host, Joe Prez, one of several lore-focused folks from Blizzard Watch, and I've got my amazing co-host with me today, Matt Rossi. How are you doing today, Matt? Um, hi, everybody. It's it's quite a day. Yeah. Days are happening. I actually can't complain too much. I uh, did a couple of Mythic Zeros yesterday and got a two-handed weapon drop, finally. Which was nice, um, just around the time that uh, there was a world quest that gave an, a level 171 weapon. So I was like, yay, I can finally get into LFR. And then immediately, boom, got an axe from a mythic Tirashithe. I can't remember how, I don't know how to say it, but. Tirnasith or Tirnasith? Yeah. yeah, yeah, that one. Uh, got the, the axe off the first boss there. So that was an upgrade. So that was nice. Uh, I don't, I'm, I'm a very casual player right about now. So I actually did more raiding and mythics this week than I have in a long time because I did the world boss. We we killed two bosses on normal uh, this week. We only did like two or three bosses this week because, um, you know, it's nobody raided on Christmas. man. <laughs> yeah, know? no, of course not. So, so yeah, uh, it's been it's been interesting. It's it's been kind of fun. Uh, my night elf is finally up to the part where I can start really complaining about warrior DPS because it's, it's atrocious. <laughs> it's, a, it's an absolute uh, bleep show um but yeah I've, I've gotten i think we're up to like renowned 15 i think everybody's at renowned 15 now i think that's the cap this you're week. supposed to be yeah yeah so i got up to renowned 15 doing the the story so we can talk about that this week uh i did that so yeah and i've been leveling my alt uh trying to do the threads of fate which i encountered one of the strangest bugs uh, that apparently I'm not alone in, and apparently there is no fix for, which is if you do random dungeons while you are going through the go aid X zone thing, because if you're not familiar with it, instead of doing the normal leveling story, you will basically pick your covenant, but your covenant sends you to go help other zones uh, in place. It's like of, the call. It's kind of like the callings for max level. Yeah, but it's actually part of the story thing. Yeah. Yeah. But if you do a random dungeon and you get one of the zones that you haven't gone to yet, there is a chance that you'll get the progress bar of aid this zone 
and then you'll never get it again. Uh, so currently my hunter cannot do Revendreth, uh, that version of it, which is awful uh, because that's also how you get Renown. Uh, to help try to catch you up in place of where you would be normally. Uh, so I'm level 58 on my Hunter, trying to figure out how to get to 60 and progress everything else along because dungeon XP isn't what it used to be. So we're gonna Yeah, I was that just going to say dungeon XP is not the way it was. So, yeah. yeah. But we're going to figure that out. But that's not what we're here to talk about today. I'm sure we'll talk more about that on uh, uh, Tuesday on our episode 300 of the Blizzard Watch podcast. But right now we're going to be talking about story uh, in particular for Shadowlands, how it's presented. So one thing that I thought was interesting is that in Shadowlands, they're doing something different than they've ever done before in the presentation story. Uh, and I figured it would be nice to actually talk about the vehicles in which they are presenting them uh, and what areas that they exist in. Um, because Matt and I have talked about this before, your covenant plays such a large role in it. Uh, the start of the expansion, if you don't do the Threads of Fate, or if you're just starting through in the first time through, you haven't leveled the max, you get the presentation of the story of what's actually happening as far as going into the Maw, breaking out of the Maw, going through and trying to get all of the uh, four major zones of uh, the Shadowlands into your corner to help uh, stem the tide of what's going on. And in that sort of presentation, it's a very, I don't want to say traditional, but uh, for lack of a better term, it's a very traditional leveling story presentation. Uh, and I didn't have anything, you know, negative to say about it, uh, but it definitely was very bland as far as go here, this is the story, go here, this is the story, the story. Uh, did you have any thoughts on the leveling experience or anything that they did that you didn't like? Uh, I don't or, think bland is the right word. Um, uh, you could bland is definitely not the right wrong, right word. Yeah. I think I think you could call it traditional in that it actually harkens back to Burning Crusade. I think Burning Crusade or Wrath of the Lich King is the last time we really had this kind of experience in terms of when you're going from like the start of the expansion at level 50 to level 60. Like Wrath of the Lich King is very much this, except that Wrath had two zones to start. Yeah. Um, and that's because when they originally did this in Burning Crusade, when you started in one zone and progressed from zone to zone in, a, in an orderly fashion, they had problems with too many players bottlenecking. Or griefing. Depending no, on where you was, played. <laughs> they didn't care about the griefing. They straight up never did. Um, but they, they had too many players bottlenecking in, in Hellfire Peninsula, and it ended up bogging things down. And that's why they've tried things over the years to split up players. Like, um, Wrath had two zones that were starter zones. Yeah, you could go to Boring, Howling Fjord. Yeah, or Howling Tundra. Fjord or Boring Tundra, yeah. Um, I think Cataclysm went with the, the system where, where there was, you know, there was you started in one zone, but you could pick between those two zones. Whatever I think it was either you could go to Valshara or you could go to Hyjal to start. Yeah, uh, and then that's that's a variety of thing they've done over the years. Either they split the player ba base up by faction. Or they split the player base up by giving them options. And they've done a little bit more, too, with that now, too, because they have the instancing technology, which was really debuting and sort of fresh in Cataclysm. Uh, mm -hmm. And has really been, I don't want to say perfected, but it's pretty close to being perfected as far as uh, having different layers that players can exist on to sort of eliminate that bottlenecking so that they can do something here where you, you just all start in the same zone. Yeah. Because, yeah, there's not like a thousand people in the same spot at one time. 
Yeah, it, it's interesting in that they've come up with ways to give you the massively multiplayer experience without actually having the player count get so massive that you can't do anything. And that's why I think they were able to do what they did in Shadowlands, which was try and present a coherent narrative. Now, that's always been the, the dichotomy mm-hmm. in this situation. The, the demands of a coherent narrative are always at odds with the demands of narrative presentation in a mul- in a multiplayer game because you are trying to present the narrative to people if you're giving people the option of which zone to go to first you can't make the dis- you can't make the assumption that they will have already seen x and y by the time they get to z um and that's something you're seeing in Shadowlands you you will have been to every place else by the time you get to Revendreth the assumption is you are going to Revendreth at the tail end of your experience, which is, it where is the, the big last place, were, yeah, the, yeah, the last place. Reveals and you everything. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Revendreth is designed to present you the the denouement of Act One. Like the end of Revendreth is the end of the introduction to Shadowlands that fifty to sixty was. It is it is that moment where, for lack of a better word, it is that moment in the in the story where everything gets to its oh, this isn't good part. It, it's, I don't want to like talk. I mean, I know we do spoilers here, but I don't want to just immediately offload them. For, for those few people who haven't gotten to 60 yet, I don't want to. Or haven't had them. it spoiled for them already. Yeah. So, but I think it's safe to say that this is act one. Now, there is something that you brought up that I think is really interesting here, uh, sort of a difference. Talking about Wrath of the Lich King, one of the things that wound up being a problem is because players, even in Cataclysm, when they started their their choice, right, when they picked the zone that they would go to, the story that they were presented was very I don't self-contained is the wrong word, but like there was the big thing that was going on around you and you still interacted with it, uh, but it was almost like this zone that you chose was almost like its own little slice. Uh, uh, with its own little problems, its own little things to deal with that kind of touched the the bigger stories to a certain degree. I think Wrath, personally, I think Wrath did it better than Cataclysm uh, just because of the imminent threat of the Lich King. Oh, no, no, no. I would disagree with you totally. You can. Um, well, I mean, the thing is, is that people often make this assumption about Wrath. But Wrath, because Wrath had the Lich King as its main focus, it allowed people to in their own heads gloss over the fact that every zone was very much its own story. Mm -hmm. Um, Yes. The Lich King was involved in that. He's the one causing the scourge, but he was no, there's like, and this is, there's exceptions. I think that the, the, the transition between, um, I don't want to say, I'm trying to think of the right way to put this. The transition between Grizzly Hills and, and uh, Zoldrak. Oh, Zoldrak. No, when, cause you go through Drac, you know, Drakthar on keep. And there's the whole bit with you go through Drakthiron Keep, and at the end, it turns out that the person you were assisting was really working for the Lich King the whole time. And then when you go into Zoldrak, he's he's right there, and the first half of Zoldrak is you dealing with him, the guy that you inherit you inadvertently made if you did the dungeon, of course. Yeah, but he starts off. I want to say he starts off in Grizzly Hills. Yeah, he does. He does. He starts off in Grizzly Hills. And you're helping him there, and then you finally go through Drakthar. It, if the whole thing, if you played through it properly, the whole thing is connected. That's a good example of the Lich King's role. And being, 
involved in the story. Yeah, I was going to say in every zone. I was going to say I think it flowed better, and and I think this might have been just from my experience because I always went Howling Fjord, Grizzly Hills, Zoldrak, right? Like that was always my path, and it seemed to me that the story seemed to flow very well that way, but maybe not necessarily the other way. Um, I think I don't. I think that if in terms of how story flows, what we're doing is ultimately we're we're kind of demonstrating the issue. We are as a, as an overarching narrative, you cannot design it with the assumption that they've been to Howling Fjord over Borean Tundra, you, you, and neither, vice versa. You can't design it thinking, okay, they went Borean Tundra to you know Zoldra to uh, Howling Fjord. To, you know what I'm saying? You can't make the assumption that the zones followed in a, in, a, in a progressive order in the way you can with Shadowlands. Shadowlands yeah. has the ability to design itself from the ground up knowing that you've already been like here's an example i as a person the aesthetic of maldraxxus is repellent to me i don't enjoy playing in it because it is just piles of of ooze and dead things it is it's the scourge it's like the scourge turned up to 11 and i don't enjoy playing with that which is why I didn't pick them as my covenant. But in terms of how the narrative flow works, Maldraxxus is an absolute masterclass in how you build from what you just saw in Bastion yeah. to what you're about to see in Ardenweald. And and I think that's fascinating that like I think cuz let, let's even go back a little bit further and compare some of the, the other more recent expansions and how the story developed before we really yeah, go into I, I right now, if you talk about warlords, I've got some stuff to say. So I was go I was literally going to say, I think the two that we need to talk about in particular that I think demonstrate both of these ideas is Warlords and Legion. And I think they do it uh, to two very different extremes. I'll let you talk about Warlords, and then I can talk about Legion. So go ahead. Warlords starts with everybody getting the exact same experience. Yes. But it's it, they designed it to be an instance thing, so you didn't actually run into that many people, so the bottlenecking didn't happen. Then... After you get the, the the exact same intro experience, you play Horde, you play Alliance, doesn't matter. Then you are sent to one of the two zones by your faction. So every Alliance player goes next to uh, Shadowmoon Valley, whereas every Horde player goes to Frozen Cut. Oh, God, so cold. Why am I playing this in December? I can barely feel my feet land. You really want me to build here? Why? You know, like, Frostfire Ridge. I'll be, yeah. I'll be up front. Frostfire Ridge is actually a really amazingly well-designed zone it is but i fly i live in canada and it's like negative 20 and i'm trying to play on frostfire ridge and my hands hurt because it's just i know how that feels i was just outside in it and now it, you're making me stay in it for an hour hey, it's a, it's a, it's further immersion for the horde side that's all i look at but <laughs> in terms of how these zones work they the division of of characters is universal for the faction and because it's universal for the faction the faction story can make assumptions you're not giving players a choice and here's the here's the dirty secret of of narrative in role-playing games of any kind the more choices you give the player the harder it is to actually craft a narrative and that's because in order to craft a narrative you must make default assumptions there have to be things that are true for the story to progress forward the more options you give the players, the more, okay, now I have to account for those variables as I go forward. And this is not me arguing you shouldn't have player choice or player agency or any of that. I love those things. But by controlling the narrative flow in this way, with what, what Warlords did was basically give one faction or the other a coherent storyline. 
Yeah, but it was right, very right. faction-centric. It was faction-centric, but it was coherent, and it wasn't oppositional. The faction stories were not in, com- in competition in any way. The Horde character's enemy wasn't the Alliance character. Mm-hmm. And I think that's important because Warlords is often... Warlords' narrative problems flow from the fact that it did not have enough story once you hit 60. I mean, not 60. I forget what the max level was. My God. It's been... I think it was like level 100, right? Or is it level 90? 90, I think. It was 90. Okay. My God, we're so old. Um, But because it did things the way it did, when you got to max level, you were ready for like, okay, now what's going to happen? And the answer was not much. Then that was the problem. But the actual level... 100. Sorry. Level 100. It was 100? Okay, because yeah. Legion was level 110. And, yep, okay. yep. That makes sense. Um, the actual story that you experienced leveling to max level in, in Warlords was was good. It was a coherent, consistent story that let each faction have its heroes and have its big moments. Um, and they even had moments where they came together. Uh, I think the the big cinematic uh, in, in, I want to say Tanama, that's not right. Um, just outside of Shatrath, oh, where yeah. uh, Yorel and Durotan and all of those come together. That's a pretty good moment, no matter what faction you're playing. There were, of course, hiccups, like Orgrim Doomhammer's non-role. Like, what, Orgrim? What, okay, I guess he's done. <laughs> that's that's all we get from Orgrim, gotcha. Wow, I was expecting more, guys. As a Horde player, I'm confused. Uh, but there was overall a, a, good throw li- a good through line. For warlords, warlords leveling had a good through line. You got to the end of what I'd call the Act One of Warlords, thinking, "Okay, this is interesting. What's going to happen now?" Uh, okay, nothing for a long time. Then sudden swerve. Uh, but that that experience, the 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 level, the trip through to max level, it was consistent for your faction. Mm-hmm. And I think the real interesting thing about this expansion was that they've provided that consistency while having the the covenant choice looming in the background but by leaving the covenant choice till you hit max level the through line remains consistent it's always you're aware that the factions exist but you're not picking a side yet now and and when you do pick a side when you do pick a faction at max level it actually isn't as oppositional as i had first thought and play and people have, have have written in and commented on this and i wanted to address that here you're right you're not an enemy to the other factions the other covenants they're not your enemies in fact, you're trying to help them, and, and yeah. you are routinely sent to go aid the other other factions yeah. in their plight. Yeah, your your choice of a faction, your choice of covenant here is much less about beating anybody, and it's more about these are the people that whose whose means uh, who, you know. Th- there's the old saying: the means justify the ends. This is the the means I want to employ. This is the way I feel I I work best. Um, and I think that's a really interesting way narratively to get further into the storytelling of the expansion. I'm going to shut up now so you can talk about Legion because I think I've already dropped three things you're probably going to comment on. <laughs> so. uh, yeah, and Legion was one of those things where, unlike Warlords, it was, I almost feel, the complete opposite. It was one of those things where you got to choose the order in which you did the zones, and the zones themselves had a very contained Absolutely. story. Uh and while it did feed into the larger narrative that was going on, the story of Val Sharad didn't necessarily really deal with the story of Stormheim or or anything that was going on there. Everything was really well, like self-contained. Uh, even when you chose, like you didn't even choose, like your class when you went through your order hall when you started doing your order hall campaign, even though it was you know factionless. It was its own story, and it didn't deal with the other factions. It didn't deal yeah. with the other. Would you? Here's a question for you. 
Would you be willing to say that the the Order Hall campaign became the through line for people's experience while leveling? Yeah. And as a result of that, there were so many different through lines. And that's that's the point that I was trying to get is like with Warlords, because we all had a, a, a more cohesive through line, regardless of how you felt about it, whether you were Horde or Alliance and, and what your general feelings are when, when you got to the end point of that through line. You could talk to another person like me as a shaman could talk to a hunter on the horde side and we could talk about what just happened because we had the same experience in Legion. That wasn't necessarily the case. I'm not saying that's a bad thing. It's just, it's a completely different extreme. Uh, and you think about it. There's what? 12 classes, 14 classes at this point. I can't remember how many. It's too many. How many? God either. <laughs> <laughs> um, but when you, you now you're starting to talk about that cohesive storyline where yeah, there were two in, in Warlords that fed into everything. Legion had, you know, 12 or 14 or however many there were for your Order Hall. And your Order Hall became that de facto sort of lead point. And it became, here's how your story experience goes. Here's how your interactions go. So, like, while I as a Shaman are, you know, going through all these elemental planes and trying to get the elemental lords onto our side to fight the Legion, uh, you know, and never really doing anything with it, but that's a whole other story. Uh, that's not what warriors were doing. That's not what hunters were doing. Before you continue, we did 12 classes. as of 12 right classes. Okay. But, I mean, that's, but, that's I, a lot to been, write. That's a lot to keep right. straight. 12, hey, 12 main lines. Not just that. Because the artifacts all had their own quest lines. And everybody had, what, th- average of three per? Because yeah, Three per, except for Druids had four and Demon Hunters had two. Which still averages out to three per. So now you're yeah, looking so at... 36 total. 36 total. 30, 36 total storylines for the artifacts, because they did have storylines that were, were important. There's a lot. And yeah, it was absolutely. it was ambitious. And I take nothing away from from the ambition of that expansion, but it did lead to certain, I don't want to say weirdness, but almost like a disconnect. Because if instead of saying weirdness or disconnect, I would say that what had happened is it outpocketed story. Yeah. Yeah. Where you played, if you played as a demon hunter, you got a different experience than you playing as a death knight. And it's not even a question of reconciling them. You just won't know about it. And that's. That's the problem, right? Like, in as this this might be a unique problem to maybe me and, and Rossi here, but that means that unless I go back and play all of those classes and do all of those things, I never got to experience that story. I didn't know what was going on with those classes. Or um, for me, it was very much a question of I just I'm gonna have to go and watch a ton of videos because yeah. there's no way I'm gonna pull twelve characters to. I mean, some people did, and to to you people, kudos. I I, I wish I had your time management skills. Uh, but leveling 12 characters and then doing all three artifacts on all, you know what I'm saying? Like, you know, your demon hunter only had to do two artifacts, but your druid had to do four. Um, so yeah, there's, there was a lot to it and it's very, I don't, again, calling it fragmented sounds like, like it's a a harsh critique and that's not what what I'm saying. It's not what I'm saying either. Uh, but it it is very much, it's a situation of, of, I think I I looked at it once as modular, like almost like Legos. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, or an old D&D module where it's designed like a flow chart and you go like if you go to X then this happens um, if you play if you play a warrior you are going to be a Pokemon for a megalomaniac with a fl- flaming beard who tore his own eye out um, there's <laughs> my, my, my love for Odin uh, but that that's that is the case like some some order hall campaigns felt a lot more connected to the story of the expansion. Some some even felt more cohesive than other Order Hall campaigns as well. Um, and that's... See, the, the Paladin one, 
and the Death Knight one were just amazing. They were um, great. The Shaman one, I I don't think it's bad. I do not think that the Shaman one was bad. It felt, but f- Joe's right that it doesn't have a lot to do with Legion. Yeah, it it felt like there was no payoff at the end of it, like there were for some other ones. And again, it was a great experience. I love the Order Hall campaign, but you get to the end of it, and it's like, okay, well, I've I've gotten all these elemental lords together. Let's go fight, and then they're like, now nah, we're just gonna go chill here. Like, yeah, they don't, there's no point where they show up. Like, you know, it would have been cool if like we're doing the Broken Shore. And like the Legion were like gonna defeat us or something, and a shaman character could like call up the elemental lords and have them all just appear and start wrecking face right on the broken shore and push the Legion back to the I get that that wouldn't be the case for every class, but like, you know, I spent literally my entire time leveling doing this. What are you guys doing? Are you doing anything? I think that like at one point they send you to the broken shore to like find specific demons to kill because they find them annoying, but that's basically it. Right? That's pretty much it. Um, and then you compare that, like how that, uh, and again, nothing, I'm not saying that the, the storylines in Legion were bad, far from it. Oh, no, no. I enjoyed many of them. them. I think Legion is in the top three for either, for, for both of us. I think I so, yeah. Um, but it was just ambitious and it might have been overly so with as, as much as it needed to be keep, keeping track of. Oh, and, to be fair to it, it's better to fail going big absolutely. than it is to fail when you didn't even try. And uh, I wouldn't Legion, even call it, a, I wouldn't even call it a failure. Right. Uh, calling it a failure is again too harsh. I, I would say for Legion, Legion had more plates spinning than it kept up, but even it had so many plates spinning that if you drop a couple, who cares? Uh, ultimately, in the in the grand scheme of things, Legion was Legion is the ultimate manifestation of the giving players as much variety as possible expansion. Mm-hmm. But now, there is a danger to doing that, and that is that the through line can be hard to maintain. And then you move from Legion to Battle for Azeroth, which the through line for that shifted so many times. And I think that was one of the, the oddities of battle for Azeroth. And I think one of the things that a lot of people maybe had an issue with, or at least the people that I talked with is you go from warlords, which had that steady through line throughout for each faction. You have Legion, which has 12, you know, 36 uh, individual stories that you could really dive into and dig your teeth into. And then you go to battle for Azeroth where the through line is, you know, originally starts out as war between the factions with a choose your own adventure sort of kick to it, uh, where each of those choose your own adventure portions digs into war between the factions and then the war between the factions shifts and then it becomes a different through line and it becomes the war against Azara. Then it shifts again and it becomes war against old gods. Um, it's not a bad thing, but it is jarring when you don't have that sort of uh, continuous motivation throughout. And it See, I want to say this. This is something I've wanted to say for a long time when it comes to Battle for Azeroth. They tried up front telling us that they were doing this. Mm-hmm. They were straight up, like during interviews, they were saying things like, keep in mind, Battle for Azeroth can mean a couple of things. They were aware that people were going to have trouble with this. Yeah. That they were going to focus on the Horde Alliance conflict and, and miss the fact that the Horde Alliance conflict was just the setup for what was coming after it. The problem that is that I'm going to, this is going to sound really bizarre, but I'm going to say it anyway. The problem is that they thought we were more sophisticated as players than we actually are. Most players, and this includes me, don't see the story as broadly as they do. They see the story from the perspective of the people making it. We don't. I see the story primarily through the character I'm playing when I'm playing at that time. When I construct my view of the story, I do so through the lens of the characters I'm playing. 
Yeah, and that's something to keep in mind too. Like you're saying is like when they're when they're viewing it through the lens of somebody who's making the story, they know where the story is going to go. They know what beats come next. We don't. And you know, they when they're doing stuff for like you know, using Battle for Azeroth as an example, when they're doing stuff for the Horde story, they know everything that goes on in the Alliance story. Mm-hmm. So here's one third example: when I'm leveling as an Alliance character, I get to, I finally st- I decide I'm going to do. Uh, Stormsong Valley. I- I'm doing it like halfway through my leveling experience. I'm doing various stuff in Stormsong Valley. That's the, the main quest of Stormsong Valley is to figure out what's going on with the fleet. But there's a part where you get to a certain town, and if you choose, there's a quest. Oh, can you go over to that other? Just cross that bridge and and you know check out that area. And when you do cross the bridge, suddenly the horde arrives in like multiple airships and starts butchering farmers, and it's weird. And you you deal with it. You deal with the horde invasion. You push them back, and then it's got nothing to do with the rest rest of Stormsong Valley. But it does feed into the horde story for the war campaign when they go to Stormsong Valley. It's why the horde is on the back foot in Stormsong Valley. It's why the horde character has to basically save them mm-hmm. from being entirely pushed out. And they they as the creators know this. They 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 know both halves. You as a player won't know this unless you level as Alliance and then level as Horde. Or if you level as Horde first and then go back and level an Alliance, now it'll be like, oh, now it makes sense. But if you don't do that, this just seems like a random case of the Horde deciding they really absolutely have to have some farmland. And they need to have it so bad that they're going to be butchering, like, you know a bunch of hayseeds with pitchforks. It's like, and like I mean, when I'm saying butchering, I mean, you walk into like a, you walk into a farm town and you see people impaled on pitchforks to walls. Mm-hmm. It's like, why did they do this? It's like, it's not just cartoonishly evil. It's pointless. But obviously once you, if you do both the Horde and Alliance story, one of the big parts of the Horde story is that you're sent in to fix it. And it's like the big struggle between Sylvanas loyalists and old school horde who were like no wait no why did this is not how we're supposed like because that's presented to you rexar is one of the people who sends you and he's like this is not how the horde is supposed to be working this no is, and he this suffers is... for it too like he yeah he, he loses he loses misha or not misha and, um why can't i think of the name of the, the wolf now i don't know misha's the i can't know but yeah misha i can't else either but but that's the point that's the interesting thing about it. From if you've got the full perspective, then it makes more sense. But it's very I think a lot of players don't have the full perspective because you play the game from a limited perspective. Mm-hmm. The window of your perception is limited. And in order to broaden it, you have to play multiple characters on multiple sides. But not everyone wants to do that. Not and- everyone experiences the game that way. Which I think is interesting because we moved from that to the way that they're developing story into Shadowlands. And there is that constant through line, like we're talking about with the leveling experience that leads you into your covenant choice. But here's where it becomes a little bit interesting. And and at least to me is each of the covenants, while it is working towards trying to fix the problem and work towards solving the major problem uh, between Sylvanas and uh, the Jailer and the Anima Drought. Those are the big overarching themes that we're working towards. Each of them has their own problem that they're dealing with that is or is not related to the major story that's going on. Uh, In such a way that you don't necessarily have to know too much about it. Like you, you get a, you get a bracing of it. Like you, because you level through all four zones, 
you get a presses on it, like a like a for lack of a better word, you get the Cliff's Notes version. Yeah, you get the setup. Agile, but you don't need to know any more than that to understand what's going on. You, but you'll be allowed to know more when you pick your covenant. You'll be allowed to get more of the story, and but it feels like you're allowed to, not that you are deprived of if that makes sense instead of not knowing what's going on unless i level a horde character or i don't need to go level uh, a revendreth necrolord or anything else like venthyr or a necrolord to understand the story of the expansion because i got enough of it while leveling up if that makes sense and i think it does and i think it's a perfect marriage between at least in my opinion so far maybe perfect so a a a wrong word, a better marriage between the ideas that were attempted in warlords and the ideas that were attempted in Legion, because you get that, uh, that, that through line, you get that constant, uh, and then you get an individual story based off of your choice that becomes incredibly important to you. Because one of the things with your choice is it does feed in that larger story. You are trying to kick the anima drought, uh, and help that realm recover from it, uh, and get it back online while other folks, regardless of faction are doing the same thing. They're doing it for other realms, for other factions and trying to get those realms back into working order. Uh, the interesting thing about the story, though, is your story, even for the covenant that you choose, is somewhat gated. And we were talking about the renown earlier. Um, and in particular, I know this is the case for Night Fae. I assume that it's the same for everybody else. Uh, there are certain bits of story that become available or more available as you move through the campaign and gain renown. And I find that very fascinating because unlike... Uh, some of the previous attempts with like the order hall stuff and things like that, as you leveled and as you just did quests and got to certain points, things just became available to you and it could be done as quickly as you could get through those certain milestones here because it's, I'm sorry. What it reminds me of is the way Suramar worked. Yes. Combined with the way that the order halls worked. Yeah. It's like, it's like if Suramar unfolded as you progressed in your, your, your order hall campaign. And the way they did it in Legion was they they did it basically based on the the patch. Like the more more story will be opening in patch. Like I I don't remember if it was seven because we're we're in nine now, right? Something like that. So Legion was seven. So it was like patch seven point one will will advance Suramar some more, and you'll be able to do more in Suramar at that time. Here it's the renown system, so every week you can get a little further, which is much more like the way it was in Mists of Pandaria. With the with the, the 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 dominance offensive slash operation shield wall stuff, where that that was unfolding as you progressed in that storyline, as you did more of the quests and so forth. With renown, they've made it an actual system, and I I think it's good because it gives it structure, right? And it's not just that it's it's not just that it's good because of the structure. It's interesting because one of the things about uh, Shadowlands versus previous expansions is we've been used to us being the major character for a while now. Yeah. Yep. Champion, a commander, the, you know, but now you're a mall walker. Yeah. And that's something that should be distinct. They're, you're not called the mall walker. You're just called mall walker. Like, they even make it like, you know, oh, I haven't seen one of those in a while. It actually happens. I think it was Venari who says that. There have been other people who've done this, and there are other people doing it right now. You're one of the people who got out of the maw through that portal. You're not the only one. Uh, so by making it a plural story, by Joe's point about how you know you're trying to fix one of the of the four zones, but there's other people out there trying to fix other ones, 
that's literally what's happening as you're playing through Shadowlands. Other char- other people are playing in other covenants, and you're playing in yours. And that's part of the storytelling is that plurality that that there are the the hosts of Azeroth have come to the Shadowlands to try and fix this. It's not just one guy or girl. It's 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 a bunch of us, and that's feeds into the way that the story is being told because you're being told what your character is doing. And also at the same time, you're being told that other people are out there doing stuff too. And that's in the storytelling that, that to me is, is a fascinating way to develop it. And the interesting thing, like, and, and this is something that Matt said earlier, and I think it's, it's really important here is you don't, at least not to me. And this is as somebody who, you know, part of my, my job, you're listening to this is to dig into the lore of the game and figure out or at least attempt to figure out what's going on and make speculation based off of that. But it's hard sometimes to really, you know, sit back and not feel like I have to consume everything. In Shadowlands, my Covenant story feels pretty good and it feels pretty engrossing and it feels like I'm uncovering what's going on in that particular realm. It doesn't feel like I'm missing out on anything else. And I think that's important. And it's a hard feeling to sort of get to because it's really easy to look at, you know, back at Legion with all these different threads and say, yeah, I'm missing the Death Knight story. How many times on this show, you know, and Rossi and myself would sit there, oh, tell me about this because I never played a rogue or tell me about this. I didn't play a, a warrior during Le-. like we'd go back and forth because we were missing out on, on key things. We were missing out on story here the story of the zones themselves are contained enough, but revealing enough that you're not just, you don't feel like you're just missing out. Like I don't feel like I'm necessarily missing out on the bigger important things because I'm not playing somebody in the Necro Lords. I'm not playing somebody in, you know, the tea party of Revendreth. Um, now, that being said, though, I mean, I, I honestly do think there's a lot to, I, I want to eventually get four characters Oh, yeah, but that, that's the thing is I want to. I don't feel I need to. Well, I didn't feel like I needed to in Legion because I didn't because uh, it wasn't it wasn't feasible for me. No, so it, it didn't matter. Bad. But one of the things about the the way this is going this time is because they have again, this is a game mechanic that affects lore in a way because threads of fate exist for all the, the bugs and weirdness that are coming up with them. You're when you level your next character, you don't feel like, oh, God, I got to do that whole thing over again. Mm hmm. I don't have to see the, the you know the, the because the progression from from fifty to sixty is also the it's the it's the set dressing for the for what's coming next in a very real way. Um, fifty to sixty feels like it is setting up everything that we're going to do after seeing it again. It would be kind of like if every time you wanted to go like to a restaurant, you had to do the exact same stuff over again. It's like I've already been here twice. I know what the menu is. You don't have to show me the menu again, man. And just give me this is my regular, this is my order, this is what I want. Because you can do that, that the story is is able to be more introductory in its nature. Because its replayability isn't the be all and end all of its experience. You don't with like Legion as an example. Because you could play it in any order, that affected the replayability. You had to be able to every zone had to be self-contained, but also they had to be playable on multiple levels. There was no no other choice. Mm-hmm. You were going to go back here. I remember playing my third or fourth character through Legion, and I didn't have all of the the the, um, the pillars of creation at max level. I didn't have them. I hadn't done because the experience gets faster. You were you know rested and so forth, and because heirlooms come in, I got to max level in Legion on my third or fourth character, and I hadn't done half of the zones yet. Mm-hmm. And that's 
the threads of fate thing allows for storytelling that that can that can adjust to this and at the same time uh even on my first character through revendreth i was like i hit revendreth at like level 57 or 58 i was level 60 way before i was done with revendreth yeah and i hit level 60 as soon as i hit revendreth like i literally was like one quest in and endings and it it yeah. still had to finish the zone still had to finish that story which is fine i wanted to anyway but i can understand first time it's... through yeah absolutely but once you but once you start really like i the second time through i the, the exact same thing happened i hit 60 and i hadn't even gotten to revendreth yet i i just got the quest to go to revendreth and i hit 60 from doing the quest to you know where they're like oh now you need to go to revendreth that that dinged me to 60 so i was like yeah i'm done i i just picked my covenant and and went with it um, and so I never did Revendreth on that character. Um, and that's fine because I'd done it already once I'd seen it. I knew how that worked. I think there's something to be said for a, a lovely experience that understands that it is teaching you the game. Mm -hmm. And that is the teaching element of it. Isn't just gameplay. Um, there is a, but that makes me really, I'm very interested in, in what it is like to play as Venthyr. Uh, I want to see the Venthyr story because each each covenant also has a different hierarchical issues that are that are fascinating to me in terms of storytelling. If you're if you're doing the Night Fae, you you are directly working for the Winter Queen, who is one of these ageless, powerful, eternal ones. You have um, you have instant access to her at all times yeah. too, which is you can go up there and talk to her whenever you want to. She doesn't often have a lot to say, but you, I I recently did the whole turn up you when you open up the conservatory mm -hmm. you you get a quest where you go up and she does a thing a ritual to, sh to show you what it's like with night with the wild seeds are all about and everything if you're doing um the kyrian you, again uh the the archon calistria you i think calistria is her name I the firstborn yeah yeah but she again you have access to her but if you're doing revendreth sire denathrius is your enemy yeah you're working for rebels you don't you don't have this powerful eternal one and if you're Maldraxxus, the Primus is, well, okay, possible spoilers, and this isn't confirmed yet, but the Primus is busy, chained up in Torghast, carving stuff for you, runes and so forth. The, the guy is sort of busy, um, and he doesn't remember his life because it's been stripped away from him, and I'm telling you that that rune carver is the Primus. I do not want to hear that he isn't. It's going to turn out he's not, and I'm going to feel like a dumbass, but... Um, but the story is different. Like if you're playing in Maldraxxus, if you're a Necrolord, you're play basically in rebellion against your entire zone. You're at war with everybody. The houses, the all three of the remaining houses are fighting you. Even the house of the chosen, the, the house that you start in, that's not who you're working for when you join the Necrolords. You're basically part of a group that is rebelled against all of them. Uh, so in a in a weird way, Maldraxxus and Revendreth have a completely different storytelling style to. Uh, Ardenweald or or Bastion, the, the the various covenants are very different in how they approach that storytelling, and that to me is fascinating because it's it escapes the the dichotomy. The, the problem that, that I think Battle for Azeroth had was that it was a dichotomy. It was horde or alliance, mm -hmm. and that and because the the games the expansion started out very much about the horde versus alliance, it became oppositional. And there's there's good storytelling you can do in an oppositional thing, but I don't think World of Warcraft is really that game anymore. And it's really strange to say that because this is the world that was created in, from RTS games. But ironically, I think Warcraft 3 is the one that broke it, and it's never really worked that way again. Yeah, I would agree. Warcraft, Warcraft 3 came along and said, this is no longer the story of orcs versus humans. It's now 
all these different factions vying for survival in this world. And by doing that, it, it got rid of the idea. Like, for instance, the, the undead in Warcraft 3 aren't part they're, – they're against everybody. They hate everyone. They, they want to destroy all life. Whereas the Night Elves start off like, you know, get out of Kalimdor. We don't care who you are. But they eventually make common cause because they don't want to die. And there's that level of, of perspective, the differing viewpoints, is much more reflected in Shadowlands with its four covenants than it is Battle for Azeroth is like a regression. It's, tr- it's trying too hard to make it be about these guys versus these guys. And, and, in, and that's even with taking into the to the effect that they told us that it was going to be a shifting thing. Even then, it, it definitely leans so hard all the way up through the battle for Dazara lore, really. Like, yeah, and even like it makes it very difficult. Like nothing is resolved. No, we still the, we still don't have anything resolved. Which like, is, I'm I'm just now starting to see the resolution for some of the stuff that happened in Battle for Azeroth in Shadowlands, but only because you but only because you chose Ardenwell. Which I think is fascinating. Exactly. And I was actually going to, that was the next thing I was going to talk about, which is I think it's an interesting choice stylistically and, and story wise to sit back and gate some of that story behind Covenant choice. And we knew that that was always going to be the case. Uh, like if you wanted to know what happened to the Night Elves and you wanted to want, know what happened to Tyrande, uh, or if you wanted to know what happened to the Loa, if you were playing on the Horde side, you specifically needed to pick Ardenweld because that was the one tied to the those stories that was the realm most linked to them and i think it's an interesting choice because now you have other players who maybe one of the other zones resonates with them but does that mean that all their night elves are always going to need to pick ardenwell to figure out what happened um it's it's not a bad thing it's just interesting because it, it sort of makes that covenant choice more important for finishing your story than it or I shouldn't even say that, but like it makes it more about your personal story desire uh, than it does almost like the overarching story. And really interesting point. Uh, one of the points that I, I thought was really, this kind of touches on what you're saying. When you start Ardenweald, it has a very different introduction than say, when you do the Kyrian, because I've done those two. So I know I can say that fairly. When, when you do Ardenweald, you get the play and the play, you know, has a whole bunch of stuff involving your character's story. And it really, it, it's kind of fun because the play is about, it's not about you learning about the, about the, uh, the Night Fae. It's about the Night Fae learning about you. Who is this person who's joining us? This is their life. Wow, that's really interesting. It's, it's good to know you. But it's also, there's a point where they, like, they're saying, you know, when, during that play, when they're talking about the events of, of the third, of not the third war, of the, I guess the fourth war, whatever we're going to call it now, the war of the, the Thorns. We're talking about that war. And someone's like, oh, oh my, all those people died. We, we didn't see any of them here, did we? No, I would have noticed that. And in that one line, you have the central conflict of that of everything you're going to be doing down the road. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, people in Ardenweald had no idea that this had happened. Like even, even, even the big, the big spoiler, and this is the, the quasi spoiler, <laughs> even when you like resurrect Ysera, like she has no idea at all. Like it isn't until you break that to her afterwards which i think this is where you were going next um so that she finds out like it it's it's fascinating she says oh no that was just a dream i had she thought she was dreaming it but it was actually what was happening she was seeing what was happening and it's really fascinating but compare that to 
maybe you you know you, your character wants to do you want to do um, Maldraxxus, you want to do Necrolords because you interacted with Draka and Vosh and Mograine. These are important characters. Uh, if you're a Death Knight, not only do the Necrolords really match your vibe, but Alexandros Mograine. Yeah, it's kind of important. You know? And you get to see you get to reunite him with Darian. I want to see more of that. What's going to on with him and Darian? Hey, Darian, him and Darian are going to be interacting. How does that work? You know, or or in Bastion, where you have the the whole story of Uther. That's kind of a an important thing. And yeah, a matter of fact, what is the deal? Why is Uther doing this stuff? How is Uther doing this stuff? Yeah, that's absolutely something that Bastion offers that you don't get with anybody else. And it, it really is a question of, you know, do I do I really want to just spend a lot of time LARPing? because I really liked LARPing when I was a kid and I get to do it in Revendreth all day long? Or do I want to like see these characters go forth? I- I'm going to be up front. Uh, the Venthyr story-wise did the least for me. Like I didn't feel like I didn't feel like there was any reason I particularly cared about these people. Uh, but then again, as one person pointed out, I wasn't like Kael'thas is there and I don't get to do anything further with him. Well, you do. That's the interesting the thing. Like, the interesting thing about that is, like, with Venthyr, a lot of the important story beats are happening as well in the raid because that happens to be our first raid is storming the castle. So, like, first interact with him as a Venthyr in a way that you will not. Yes, that's true. And that's you know, th- so there are hooks for everybody. Every every can- every covenant has its reasons why you would pick them, which is which um, is fascinating because it gives you a viable reason to choose all of them and all of them are as equally valid as the other ones, depending on who you are as a player, which is fantastic. It, it is giving you player choice in a meaningful way for you. If that's what you care about. And if you're listening to this podcast, you very clearly care about the story of the game. Uh, and, and I think that's, it's, it's a very interesting design choice to again give those personal stories to give those hooks and then to expand upon those hooks like one of the major decision makers for me was that Ardenweld has the continuation of the Drust story uh and that's been bothering me even as a horde player since Battle for Azeroth I want to know more about it because the Drusts are fascinating what they want where their motivations are their origins what they're trying to do all that stuff is is absolutely fascinating to me and so that was a hook that was a hook that like you get to experience in your leveling experiences like yeah the drust are here they're in ardenweld they're doing their thing if you continue down this path you can learn more about it and you know help ardenweld against them and that really spoke to me and then it's the oh yeah by the way wild gods are here and loa are here and all these other things that are, are to me as a player really important and outweighed the other choices I get to experience that through my playthrough and then going through with the way that everything is, uh, is sort of gated with the cap of renown, you hit milestones to continue on those different stories, but it's also segmented within your covenant choice. Now I can only speak to Ardenweld, um, but I, I'm confident that the rest are, are very segmented like this where you hit certain renown points, more things happen or the story, like another beat happens. And these are essentially like subdivisions of act two is the way I could put it. Like you, one of the things you get to learn about is what happened to Tyrande. And that happens at, I forgot what renowned level. Um, I think it's like five. Oh, 15. Seen it. I know that much. Yeah. Um, but it's one of the earlier ones where you go and find Tyrande. And then not only do you go and find uh, Tyrande, but then you bring back, 
all, you know, all these souls to try to help them get acclimated back into an afterlife that they deserve instead of being stuck in the maw. And then you have the lowest stuff with the boss and Bomb Zomdi in that whole story, uh, which comes afterwards, I think is like at like around nine or 10 or something like that. Yeah, it does come after. And I'll say this, playing that with my wife was fascinating because the entire time my wife was like, why do I care? Because she played nothing but Alliance last expansion, so she's and she's she's like, nope, I don't care. Some troll things, nope. And it's like, honey, come on, let's just finish this. <laughs> and then you go from, so, yeah. and then you go from there to learning about the Night Warrior's curse, uh, and not just the Night Warrior's curse, but like there are some really important story moments that happen there, not just with you know Alune and and that whole thing, but also the dragon flights. And there's a big important moment there for that, and it's hitting all these points that are important to me that I really enjoy. Uh, and it's also, I'll just say this too, while we're talking about this, uh, I wanted to react to this for a long time. Does it, there's a moment where you realize I am going to Azeroth to going to find the, you know, the, the, the aspect of the red dragon flight and tell her that her dead sister has sent me to get something from her, from her, like, you know, her consort. And it's like, yeah. Um, Good news, Ysera's still alive. Bad news, she's li- she's forever going to be living in in the Shadowlands. But good news, she'd like you to. G- Actually, I'm not sure this is good news. She'd like you to give me something that you love, and it's very sweet. It's a really nice bit. But it's like sometimes you think about the stuff you're doing. Uh, you know what the fascinating thing about that though is too, because like I'm a horde player, right? And like if you do this as a horde player, like her reaction to you is so different than if an alliance player goes up to her. It's like custom tailored. It's like, yeah, remember that whole bomb thing you did? I remember. Like, it's fascinating, that reaction. And it's it's also very good to know that they didn't forget about that. Like, yeah, Death Knight, man. What's that? Oh, yeah, and the Death Knight. The Death yeah, Knight. yeah, the Death Knight. If you, you know, because you're basically riding around on a dead one of her kids. Like, it's, it's also interesting that they took and let me, let me not say interesting. It's good that they chose the way that they're doing the story uh, because it allows them to have that sort of depth in those moments that they wouldn't otherwise have. Like, that's one thing that was sort of missing from Legion that you get here. And I think that's a, a very important call out is it seems like such a minor thing, but it really does draw you in and it increases that immersion when NPCs don't forget about the awful things you did or the good things you did when they have memories for the tragedies that have befallen them, especially characters like Alex Straza, who she's got one of the more tragic stories in the Warcraft universe as far as powerful beings go. Uh, so her reacting to that, reacting to you and your part in those moments is good and something you wouldn't otherwise get and something we didn't get in Legion when you're dealing with 12 and 36 individual stories that have to be, you know, constantly done. There's a more of a focus on sort of that level of immersion in the world. And it's something that I think helps Shadowlands feel more involved and more, it's going to sound ironic, but alive, a little more uh, reactive to players. What's that? Inhabited, yeah, yeah. Then, then some of the other ones have before it because there's more of a focus. Things are pared down. There's a direction to follow, so you can have that detail. You can have that level of immersion. Sorry, I don't know. I don't know if you have anything else to add to that. <laughs> no, I, I have a lot to add to it. But the problem is, is we're getting pretty close to the end of the show. We are. Um. So I guess. Let me just go go with this bit. Okay. 
this I think is worth mentioning when you're talking about how the story is being presented. Um, because the covenants unfold differently, uh, they have different stuff going on. Uh, one of these, one of the things is like, for example, when I started playing on my bat, on my character on the, uh, the, the Kyrian, they don't have a big intro thing. Like you get right into it. Boom. You know, you, you go, you're introduced. Everyone says, okay, you're a Kyrian now. And you're start, you start getting stuff right away. And, it has a different feel. Like the Kyrian, the, the story that you're being told is much more about that choice the Kyrian made and whether or not it was the right choice, the, mm-hmm. the idea of stripping away memory from people. Um, even the, the Archon. And there's an, actually a fascinating thing the Archon says at the end of the dungeon that, that makes me wonder. The Archon says that we made the choice to surrender our memories, <laughs> not the Kyrian did not, you know, my followers did. We did our memories. Mm-hmm. Did the Archon do this? What memories did the Archon surrender? The, the Archon is like they call her the firstborn. She's the first of her kind, as far as we know. She, you know, we we know from the night from the 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 uh, Winter Queen that the the uh, various Eternal ones seem to just appear on their realms. Like they 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 were like you know. They were there by themselves for extended period of times. As you go through the uh, Ardenweald, you're you're told more about how the Winter Queen was once just alone in Ardenweald, and then the the spirits of mortals began showing up, and so she put them to work. Was was the Archon? Does the Archon have a life before she got there? Does she? She obviously doesn't remember it. She just said she gave up her memories. How does she know that? If she did. That's fascinating to me, and it's it's something that well, I'm sure unfolds more as you go through. I have not been been doing my my carrying campaign as much as I have my Ardenworld stuff. I'm sorry. Uh, I'm going to probably focus on that more as we go forward. But that's to me just that one little moment. That's the kind of thing we get a lot of in these stories is these little moments. Mm-hmm. Like you, you talked about the Ardenworld stuff. You didn't mention the the bit with Aralon and his friend that sends you to talk to Adrust. Ysera sends you to. Um, Kulteris to, to talk, talk to the yeah, speaker. Yes, yeah, the the and for those of you that don't know, or if you didn't play Alliance side, this is the the person that teaches the Kulterians how to be druids, and they are addressed one that didn't follow, you know, Karak Tol or whatever whatever his name is. Goltarok. Yeah, Goltarok. Um, didn't follow him because they didn't want to subvert the natural order. And your scent, like they are known to Ysera. they are known. Not in, and think about it, Ysera was gone for the entirety of BFA. This is known to the Winter Queen. This is known to the, to the, the Night Fae. Well, when you go there, you go there and talk to him and he, he tells you, I can't help you. What you need is my teacher. Unfortunately, she's been dead for a long time, but that's not a problem for you, is it? And you go and you find the spirit of his teacher who is a drust living in Ardenweald in tune with it. In- she's not an invader. She's not from Thros. She's a completely uncorrupted Drust Thorn Speaker who joins you to fight the Drust off. And she she has no more desire to see the Drust in Ardenweald than you do. As a matter and of fact. And that's just Oh, you go ahead. I was gonna say, and the interesting thing too is is one thing with like Ardenweald is those inhabitants that live there get to choose their form, including you, uh, which is sort of that whole uh spirit shape uh thing that you can do. But she's she's chosen to stay in her thorn cat. I don't even know what the heck to call that. Yeah, it is yeah, the, the the weird you know bony kitty cat thing that they turn into. Yeah, she chooses to be that. And it's it's 
interesting because again, you can be anything you want in Ardenwald if you choose to live there, and that's that's her afterlife. She has a den. She gets to relax, uh, well, as much as can be. But it's and it, again, like Matt said, it's it's one of those little moments. So we are. Well, so you, I know we're in that time, but you talked before about like how if you do you do the carry in, for instance, you want to pick up on the whole. Uh, Uther storyline. As you progress, one of the things that's fascinating is that Uther himself interacts with you, mm-hmm. and you get perspectives other than the one the Carrions are giving you. Um, I know little I've seen of Maldraxxus. That's one of the the big draws of it is that you get to understand why would you live here? Because Maldraxxus is like pretty unappealing in the first glance. I mean, you know, but there's reasons why someone would pick it. There's re- and the story's about that as much as it's about anything else. So in a way, you can you can really flesh out the world that you're creating through the Covenant storytelling in a way that you didn't really get to in Battle for Azeroth because it was so focused on the opposition between these two very familiar factions. You didn't need world building for that. We knew that the Horde and Alliance were going to fight. The Horde and Alliance are like two cats and two wet cats in a bag. They always fight. You know, it, it's so. I honestly feel like because they've chosen to focus on these new things, you get really like a, a lot of expansive storytelling out of this idea in a way that you didn't get previously. Yeah. And, and it's a good thing. And I, and I guess this is going to bring us to what I think is going to be the final little segment here before we call it a day, um, at least on this recording, is just our overall thoughts and feelings and how the story is going, this expansion and how it's being presented uh, and uh, just to throw mine out there first, I'm actually really excited for it. I'm excited for the way that the story is being presented. I'm excited because it seems like they're they're learning the lessons of Warlords, of Legion, and of Battle for Azeroth, and sort of building upon it, which is something that you want to see, especially in a game that's you know 16 years old at this point and built off a franchise that's been around for you know multiple decades. It seeing how they're evolving and presenting that story, I think makes a difference. And we talk about it a lot with, you know, loose ends that become story moments later. This is something where we're starting to get some of those loose ends tied up, but at the same point, they're not being tied up in a way it's like that's done and and gone with. They're being tied up in a way of more can be done with this later, but you're still getting a sense of closure on major beats. And it's it feels good and it feels organic. Uh, and I've heard some people complain that they wish that they could just blow through all of it at once. I'm actually really happy that there's a sort of renown gate to it uh, that sort of holds that story back to let it trickle out because there's a lot there. And depending on your faction uh, or or in this case, covenant that you pick. You know, that story beat, it feels almost like an episodic content of a TV show to me where you... I'm going to touch in on this. Go ahead. One of the things I liked about it was that, you know, you and I leveled at different rates and did different stuff. You were max level before I was. Yeah. But we're both caught up now. Yep. Because the way the story is set up, you can catch up and then, okay, now we're on the same page. I like that about how this is going. Yeah, and I think that's important because then you don't fall so far behind because one of the things that I think for any of our lore uh, aficionados out there that would agree with is at a certain point, if you're coming in late or you're trying to talk about it with people that are coming back to the game, it's not, you could be so far ahead of them that you can't really talk with them about it without just spoiling things outright. And here, because there's that sort of gate, there's that that limiting point uh, that doesn't feel bad. And I want to make sure that that's clear. Um at least not to me, 
you can catch up like Matt and I can talk about this now. We're at the same point. Uh, and then there's catch up mechanics that, you know, you can get your renown up and get to those points. If you level an alt, you can blow through that and get to get caught up quickly enough that you can actually experience that story. It feels good to me. What do you think overall? I think um, one of the things we didn't get really to talk about is how the Maw and how Torghast are involved in this. And I, I could, we could do an entire post, we could do an entire uh, podcast about just how Torghast's story is unfolding. Um, because it is. There's actually quite a bit to it. And my concerns with this expansion are entirely systemic. The things I don't like are systemic. The storytelling stuff so far has me like, it's weird and trippy, but there, there's a, I was just reading the other night about um, one of the things in, in archaeology, uh, specifically when talking about the Celts, is in the 70s, they, they found a, a grave in Europe, in Germany, that had all these grave goods. It had, um, he had a, like a bronze couch that had been hammered out out of one sheet of bronze. Really amazing work. A uh, lot of gold drinking, gold banded drinking horns. The horns had rotted away, but the gold bands were still there. And, and there's an enormous cauldron that had been filled with mead when they put it in there, because the, the line is actually on the inside of the cauldron. You can see where the mead was, and all this other stuff. And it, it made a point that for our ancestors, the land of the dead literally was a place you went. Mm-hmm. That to me, that's the Shadowlands experience. It, it's this is a place you go. In, um, it, it's a very interesting cosmology, and it's unfolding, fascinating in little fascinating pieces, bits and pieces of it. And one of the ways that I really enjoy it is like we've talked about. I, I think we wrote a post about it on the site about all these characters who come back for Shadowlands that you you know like. Uh, like Oro from from uh, High Mountain, mm-hmm. the uh, he you see him again. Um, you get to see you know all these characters you know like the ones in Arden Wheel, the ones uh, Amber Kiernan is now a spider. <laughs> you know, it's like, and that's to me fascinating because it, it mirrors Arden Wheel. The idea that when you go to the you go to um, the Necrolord, you go to Maldraxxus, you become something else. You don't you don't necessarily stay. You, I mean, even Vosh, Vosh is changing. Like Vosh's hands are not Naga hands anymore. Um, Draka and Mograine obviously remained more or less the same, but uh, you know the process still seems to be happening. And I, I, like that to me is fascinating. And there's all these little moments, well, that have really very little to do with the main story because we don't know that much about the main story yet. Like we have not seen the Jailer yet since the Maw. Like, since the initial Maw experience, I haven't seen the Jailer since. Uh, the only time I interact with him is when I'm doing stuff in the Maw. And then it's just him yelling stuff at me and, and you know, throwing th- things at me, you know, like like demons and assassins and stuff. It, it just, to me, this is really, this is the most nuanced unfolding of an expansion we've had in a, call, in a long time. And that's not necessarily bad that other expansions weren't particularly nuanced. Like Legion, although Legion did have a lot of nuance, it just packed it in, like, um... I think there's a reason that people really either loved or hated uh, Suramar. Mm-hmm. And I think Suramar really was an amazingly nuanced experience. This, to me, is is better. It's much better. I, I, I like this endgame a lot more than I like Suramar. I see, I see how they track. I can see the through line between them. But I like how Shadowlands has done it a lot better. Right now, we're like, how many? It's been like about two months at this point. Like since like Roughly, early, yeah. And I'm thinking this is probably the best I've felt at this point in an expansion in some time. Yeah, you know what? And I, and I will say that usually at this point in, in an expansion, I'm feeling like I've hit the end and I'm just waiting 
for the next content drop before there's anything worth to uncover. It doesn't feel like that. It feels like there's more. And and I, I mentioned this a long time ago where there are certain games that exist, and we talk about this on the regular podcast, where they drip story out in regular periodic updates uh, in order to keep the story going between major uh, content drops. And it almost feels like they're doing this here. And I asked, I, I, that was one of the things that I wanted Blizzard to sort of look more into years ago. This almost feels like they're kind of doing that, where with the renown uh, caps, with the way that the story is unfolding, it is almost like you're getting these little tiny content drops of, you know, self-contained story. And it makes it feel good, at least to me. It makes it feel like I haven't reached the end and I have to wait now. I don't feel the need to sprint anymore. It feels like I can take that leisurely walk because, you know, next week or the week after, I'm going to get the next major beat or something else is going to be presented to me uh, that further progresses the story I've chosen or the story at large. And it feels good. It feels good to not be exhausted at this point. Uh and I really like to me, I want to give them credit. And this isn't this isn't me just trying to be, you know, oh, they do everything right, because I will be critical when they feel that they do something wrong. But I feel like this is something that they're doing very right currently, where the story is unfolding organically, depending on your choice, where everything feels like I want, not I need, where like my next character is choosing a different, uh, you know, covenant, because that's what I want to do. I want to experience that other covenant story. I don't feel I need to. And I haven't felt like that in a while. So big kudos to them for that. And I hope it's something that continues throughout this expansion. I hope that the stride continues because I think like, like Matt said, like you said, there's, there's a ton of nuance here and that nuance leads to at least in my opinion, a better story progression, uh, as long as it's constant nuance, not just, you know, here's one entire zone of nuance and everything else is just a brick to the head. Um, so yeah, very, very good stuff. And I'm excited to see where they go forward with this. Uh, and I'm also interested to hear what you, our listeners, are thinking about it so far. Uh, send us, you know, send me a tweet. Send a, let me know what you think of the story experience of our, are you enjoying it? Are you, ex, are you excited for what you're getting to uncover? What's your covenant story revealing to you that you think is the most important thing? Um, and before we finish it off there, Matt, any final thoughts? I've done. No final thoughts. I think nothing. <laughs> I, I'm going to say this. I'm waiting to see how the the stories unfold. Like as, as our renown level goes up and the story is progressing, will that go all the way through multiple patches? Will we still have Covenant story in 9.1, 9.2, 9.3? How many of the nine points we've got? How will it evolve? How will it evolve? And like, will there be any lags? Will there be a point where we're sitting around, like sitting on our thumbs for like a month, waiting for the next drop those are things those will make a big deal about this expansion well you know i do like the expansion i think it's very good but how i feel about it this is one of those expansions where i'll, I'll need to see where we end up whereas like i knew how i felt about battle for azeroth in the first couple months and i was never my opinion never changed yeah um, and i think legion the same thing really i knew how i felt about legion pretty quick and it didn't change but this one, I think I really, it's going to be like Warlords, where I loved Warlords, but then I things didn't go the way I wanted. I don't even know if that's the right term. There just wasn't enough story. There wasn't enough content. That's what that's where Shadowlands is going to live or die on its content and how it delivers it and when it delivers it. So far, the how they're nailing. 
They're absolutely nailing the how. And I like the story. Mm-hmm. So that's fine. But we'll, we still have to see where we end up before I have got, before I can. This one will be one that some, gets summed up at some point in the future. I'll, I'll sit down and say, this is how I felt about Shadowlands from beginning to end. Because it's definitely, I am convinced I'm going to be surprised by this expansion. Yeah, and this is one of those few rare instances where I've called a lot of stuff in the past, so has Matt, and we've been we've been right about a lot of things. This is one where I'm starting to second guess myself, and that's exciting. So I think I'm gonna be surprised with it as well. At least I hope I am. Uh, but Blizzard Watch is made possible due to the generous contributions at patreon.com slash blizzardwatch. Your continued support means this podcast sighting community is able to thrive and grow. Blizzard Watch supporters enjoy exclusive benefits like early access to the podcast, a better chance at having your question answered on our podcast or the or the queue and an ads-free site experience. Uh, thank you very much for joining us. I know this was probably a little bit different than what you were expecting, but hopefully you stuck with us throughout the entirety of it. Uh, and if you are going to be joining us later this week at the time of this recording, this is the last recording of the year 2020 uh, for Lore Watch, but the next Blizzard Watch podcast will be our episode 300. Uh, and I'm excited to have that, share that with you guys. Uh, and episode 200 of this podcast will be coming up very soon as well. Uh, we'll see if we can do something special for that. Uh, so thank you very much for your continued support. And we'll see you next week. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with Code Program for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code Program.